Well, if you have not read your Bible this week, you basically caught up, right? Um, it is good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen? Amen? It is good to be in the house of the Lord. Wherever the saints, wherever Christians, wherever believers of God's gospel gather, God is there in their midst, and we are here under God's word, uh, being fed by him, and what an amazing privilege that is. Um, well, if you don't know me, just like Nate uh, said, my name is Tony. I'm the pastor at Sojourn Spring Branch, and um, we are uh, really excited just to be there in that neighborhood planting this church. I think you guys are going to be four years um, come pretty soon, right? And we're going to be three in October, um, but we are there, uh, um, uh, and God has been gracious and good to us um, my wife and the twins, they're 11 months and a half now. They're about to be a year old. We're reaching a big milestone. They're doing well and uh, they're healthy. So I just want to give you an update on that. Um, but for the past uh, two and a half, three months, we've been in this book of Exodus. And we have been traveling through this journey. And I want to just hone in on uh, this topic that we're about to read today. Exodus, if you haven't been here, tells the story of Israel's divinely orchestrated deliverance from Egypt for the purpose of serving God and worshiping him as God's chosen people in the midst of the nations. The Exodus reveals for all God's people then, as it does thousands of years later today, what it means to worship and to serve God. We've also said that this exodus is uh, our story. It's our family history. This is the history of God's people. Also, the exodus, 1 Corinthians 10 says that it was written for our instruction. The Bible invites us to apply this narrative to our lives today. And we've also today read this chapter, and a chapter and a half, and we hope to apply the narrative to the gifts that God gives. And I want to spend my time talking about a simple theme, right? And that is God graciously gives grumblers good gifts. God graciously gives grumblers good gifts. I know it's a little tongue twister, but maybe you can turn to your neighbor and tell him that. Why don't you turn to your neighbor right now and say, God graciously gives grumblers good gifts. That neighbor was asleep. Why don't you turn to your other neighbor and tell him again, God graciously gives grumblers good gifts. At first, there seems to be a water problem and a food problem in this whole passage, right? It's been a whole month since the Israelites have left Egypt and the food that they brought from Egypt is slowly depleting and a grumble has started to happen. And in last week's passage, the strategy that God was using to free his people was questionable to the eyes of the people. He had told them to turn, turn back and camp at the Red Sea. Who, who goes and camps out on their way to freedom? That's the question, right? Now they were running out of food and they were going to die if something miraculous didn't happen. So, so these were tests of trust that they were going through. But this group of people, 
They'd been enslaved for 400 years in the land of Egypt. And even when God miraculously delivers them through the Red Sea on dry land, even when there is a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire leading the way, they still can't see God as a miracle maker. So they grumble. They grumble. And before we start shaking our heads at the disapproval of them, let's not forget that we often find ourselves in that group too. The Lord has miraculously provided time and time again. And because we have been enslaved in our sin for so long, we don't experience true freedom. Because our affections are captured by other things for so long. Because our emotions are easily shaken when bad things happen to us. Because our identity is held in the hands of others' approval. Or or maybe it is... Because we have had it easy in some fronts of life and at the first sign of struggle we say, where is God? Or because we're so good at resolving conflict with others but when it comes to our spouse, our family, our loved ones, we don't experience true freedom. And and it is here that we find ourselves in and recently having been delivered from sin but not yet in the promised land. Picture that. So we grumble. We grumble as Israel grumbled. If you have your Bible open, look at verse 2 and 3 of chapter 16. And it says, the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out, of, out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hum, hunger. This is the residue, church, of a mentality that for generations was filled with brick quotas and pyramid designs. This was the reaction of a people who had been worn out and beat down for years. If only we had died in the land of Egypt. This was the first of the five times that Israel would say this. And as we find out in verses 6 through 8, what seemed like a grumble against Moses and Aaron was actually a grumble against God. Look at verse 6. Moses said, when the Lord gives you in the evening meat to eat and in the morning bread to the full, because the Lord has heard your grumbling that you grumbled against him. What are we, Moses and Aaron? Your grumbling is not against us, but against the Lord. What seems like a grumbling against God's leaders over his people really is a grumbling against God. And what does God do with this grumbling people? What does God do to this grumbling and ungrateful people? He gives. Someone say, he gives. The story picks up in verse 4. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I'm about to rain bread from heaven. For you and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. Then on the sixth day, verse 5, When they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. God gives. 
In his mercy and in his grace to a grumbling people, God gives, provides a way for them to be fed, rains bread from heaven. God gives bread from heaven. That would be my first point. God gives bread from heaven. But he also would test them. Verse 4 says that he would test them whether they would walk in his law or not. This test required an unparalleled faith. You see, these people were agricultures. They lived in that agricultural society. They were farmers. They, they knew that it took time for the harvest to come in. It comes in seasons. And when it comes, you amass and you store for months. But here, God was testing them. God was saying, gather a day's portion every day. God was growing their faith daily. That's what he wanted to do. God was growing their trust in him daily. And, 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 and this command comes from the sixth day to gather twice as much as they gather daily makes us look backwards and forwards, backwards to the creation account. Back in Genesis 1 where the Bible says, so God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. So when we read this Exodus story, it makes us look back to that, but it also makes us look forward to the fourth commandment that hadn't been instituted yet where the Bible says in Exodus 20, for in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. God, <laughs> in his mercy and grace, was setting up a grumbling people for the promised land. God was getting them ready for the riches that were in store for them. And look at verse 9. Then Moses said to Aaron, say to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, come near before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling." It is in this context of grumbling that God graciously gives good gifts. And before we continue, maybe we should pause a moment and give thanks to God that even in our grumbling, God is gracious with us. Even in our grumbling about where we are in life, God continues to give. In our grumbling about the blanks of the timeline in our life, I didn't get that done by 25. I didn't get that done by 30. I didn't get that done by the age of 40. Even in there, God is present with us, pursuing us. In our grumbling about the consequences of our sin, God is there healing us from our past. And maybe today all you need to do is Come near before the Lord. He's heard your grumbling. He has heard how you've reacted to that one thing. He has been there. So come before the Lord this morning. I myself found myself grumbling this past month at things that were not turning out the way that I thought were going to turn out. And today... I'm committing to come before the Lord this morning. And what happens when people show up before the Lord? 
What, what happens when people show up before the Lord? It happens every Sunday when we gather, when we sing, when we pray. Look at verse 10. And as soon as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, they looked toward the wilderness. Amazing. And behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. This, this imagery is astounding here. Looking towards the wilderness, looking at what's going to test you for years to come. God's people were listening to God's man, Aaron, and the awesomeness of God's glory started to appear. It, it, it's, it's here that God tells Moses that God would, would, would eat, the, 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 the people would eat meat and be filled with bread every single day. It's, it's, it's here in the mixture of a grumbling people and God's glory that quail would cover the camp that evening. And bread would be on the ground every morning for them to be filled. Not only does God graciously gives grumblers bread, but he also gives them rest. That would be my second point. God gives rest. If you follow the story in verse 22, it says that on the sixth day, they gathered twice as much bread, two omers each. And when all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses, he said to them, this is what the Lord has commanded. Tomorrow is a day of solemn rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake, bake, bake what you will bake and boil what you will boil. And all that is left over lay aside to be kept till the morning, the seventh day. So they laid it aside till the morning as Moses commanded them. And it did not stink and there were no worms in it. And Moses said, eat it today. Hmm. Eat it today. For today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it. But on the seventh day, which is a Sabbath, there will be none. So, so, So God gives them bread for six days. And then he gives them rest. God's people worked for six days and And then they ate from their work on the sixth day. God's people rested on the seventh day and ate from the work that they'd done before. The seventh day is is this this, this gospel pronouncement, eat it today kind of day. (laughs) You don't have to do anything today because it's been done before. The seventh day was to rest. God was saying that as he rested himself from creation, the, creating the world, they, had, they, 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 they now were invited to rest and share in that rest with him. For, for, for generations, these people, they had not known what rest was. Back in Egypt, there were no Sabbaths. There were no rest days. Back in Egypt, there was only long work days and staying home, staying at work after five and working in the weekends, and there was no rest in Egypt. This lifestyle allowed for no real rest, but this gracious God was giving them rest. He was saying, work six days and trust that your needs will be met in day seven without you having to work on that day. He was saying, work six days and trust in the work that, that you did in, May six, in, in, in day six whenever I rained bread from heaven because I will miraculously extend it to feed you in day seven. So the people rested on the seventh day. Well, what's interesting about this day of rest is that it is given to them prior to the giving of the commandments. 
It's given before they were told how to live in these tablets. They had to learn to set aside a day solely to worship God and and, and church because God has given us everything in his will. How are you honoring him in your rest? Because God provides day in and day out, every single day, miraculously. How are we honoring him by ceasing to work and beholding his glory and saying, you miraculously are going to multiply what was gathered in day six for today. How can we make time in our lives to look at God's blessings upon blessings and worship him intentionally and thoughtfully? Imagine, imagine Sojourn Galleria and Sojourn Spring Ranch and, and churches in our city. Imagine being a restful people that the world can look onto and say, how, how does this guy keep getting promoted? It don't look like he works a lot. <laughs> I mean, he puts in his work. But it don't look like he works like we do. Longer hours. How does this woman as a mom find joy in her life with everything that she has going on? Imagine being a people that give up, that pass on work. More work for the sake of worship and experiences God's blessings all the more. So so, so God gives them bread from heaven. God gives them rest. And now the story has us in a place where God gives water from a rock. Look at verse 2 of the next chapter in 17. Therefore, the people quarreled with Moses and they said, give us water to drink. I mean, these people (laughs) were in that group. Y'all remember that? And Moses said to them, why, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted for water and the people grumbled. Here's that grumbled word again against Moses. And then they said the same thing that they said in the previous chapter. Why did you bring us out of Egypt to, to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried out to the Lord and the Lord said to Moses, pass on before the people, taking with you some of the elders of Israel, take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock at Horeb and you shall strike the rock and water shall come out of it and the people will drink. And Moses did so in the sight of all the elders in Israel. What a story, right? What a story. And in the previous chapter, they said, you brought us out of the wilderness, into the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. <laughs> and in this chapter, why did you bring us out of Egypt to, to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? These are, the pro, these are professional grumblers here. Picket signs, death by starving, death by thirst. After they'd walked, on dry land with water to the left and to the right, after they seen bread fall from heaven. And, and what does God do? What does God do with this grumbling people? He promises his presence. He says, I will stand before you on the rock at Horeb. And he gives them water from a rock. Now, 
You see, as Christians, we trust that God's presence is with us and that he is close to us. But then at the same time, we trust that he is a giver of tangible things. God was in no doubt with his people through the cloud, but he also was giving them real life things, bread, rest, water. And friend, if you are here studying Christianity and researching its claims and yet have yet to trust in Christ, I want to let you know that we trust in a God that is real. We trust in a God that gives good gifts, bread, daily bread, water to satisfy our thirst, yes, rest from work, yes, but even in our trust. Even in our good belief, even in our sound doctrine and all of our theological points, we find ourselves mistrusting God at times. We find ourselves not believing God's promises that he will provide tomorrow. We find ourselves still trying to make it happen on our own. We we find ourselves saying, "Is, is God really among us? And let me explain this. When God gave his grumbling people the good gift of bread from heaven, chapter 16, verse 19 through 20 says that he told them to to not leave any in the morning. Don't don't put aside, eat some and put aside some for tomorrow. I'm going to give you what's for you tomorrow. But some disobeyed. Some saved bread, put it in a little basket and say, you know what? For tomorrow. When when God gave his grumbling people the good gift of rest, some people still showed up on day seven, got out of their tent and said, let's work. Where's the bread? There's no bread. God said, stay in. They disobeyed. When God gave his grumbling people the good gift of water from a rock, 17, chapter 17, verse 7, says that the people tested God by saying, is the Lord among us or not? See, see, this is a people that believed God was real, but they had trouble truly trusting in him. They seen the miracles, bread from heaven, but I'm going to store some for tomorrow. They've seen the miracles, bread from heaven on the day six, but I'm going to go out on day seven and try to see what I can find on my own. They've seen the miracle of water coming from a rock, but they still tested the Lord saying, is the Lord really among us? And us, even as his people who have been delivered from death to life, we still mistrust and disbelieve God. So what do we do? What what, what do we do when we are tempted to disbelieve God's promises? What what do we do when we are tempted to to believe that he is near to us in our lack in that day seven? What do we do when we are prone to wander? Lord, I feel it when we are prone to wander from God's path, from his way, from the God that I love. This is what we do, church. We look to Jesus, the bread of life. John records Jesus walking this earth thousands of years after Exodus saying, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. More than the food that we eat or more than the food that we're going to eat after this gathering, Christ is the true bread that gives life to the world. 
What, what do we do when we are tempted to disbelieve? We, we look to Jesus, the true rest. Matthew records Jesus saying, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. When we are tempted to work harder, to be better, to, to figure it out on our own, outside of God's will and plan, we can look to Jesus as our true rest because he really is the Lord of the Sabbath. What do we do when we are dying of thirst and question, is, is God really with us? We look to Jesus, the living water. John records Jesus telling the Samaritan woman, everyone who drinks of this water, they're going to be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. When we are tempted to disbelieve God's presence with us, we are reminded that he satisfies our thirst, church. That he gives us water that becomes in us a spring of water that refreshes us with eternal life. And I know I'm good at 9 in the morning, but at 3 p.m., but at 6 p.m., this is the reminder that we need. Jesus, the bread of life, bread from heaven. Jesus, the true rest, saying, come to me, Jesus, the living water, saying, the water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So brothers and sisters, you, you, you may be here this morning grumbling at all sorts of things. Co conflict at work. Arguments with your spouse that just like, I don't even know where that's coming from. Figuring out this whole parenting thing. I'm in there. <laughs> Pediatrician said, now you can discipline. And my wife's like, can you give me some bullet points? Because we need to figure this out. <laughs> Pressures in school. Just got started. But looking at the syllabus, looking at the workload. And we grumble. But, but, but know this, this morning. God graciously gives grumblers good gifts. God gives us bread from heaven, Jesus. God gives us true rest, which we find in Jesus. God gives us living water, Jesus. So come near before the Lord this morning. Come near before the Lord with me and behold this wondrous mystery. Come eat and drink at the table that is in front of us because he today will give us rest. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Your word is true. We have grumbled against you. Even if it's a slow grumble that no one can hear, or even it's, if it's one of the loudest ones that everyone's just listening to day and day, we uh, repent. Because in our grumbling, we have not seen you as a miracle maker. In our grumbling, we 
forget that just a month ago you delivered us on dry land with the Red Sea parting. In our grumbling, we forget that just yesterday you gave us food from heaven. In our grumbling, we forget that you have given us water to drink. And, and, and not only tangibly in our lives, but we have grumbled uh, forgetting that you truly are the bread of life. And we can feed off of you and be refreshed. In our grumbling, we have said, you have not satisfied my thirst, so we repent. In our grumbling, we've worked and worked and worked. And although that invitation is there for us to come to you, we have ignored it time and time again, so we repent. Help us. Help us this morning as we come to this table. Reset our lives. Reset our week. Reset our day. Reset us. Every hour we need you. God, thank you for graciously giving grumblers like ourselves good gifts. Amen.